0: Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us here at Believer's Victory Church. Today we have an inspiring, powerful message that will change your life. Let's listen in as Pastor Peggy Heal teaches us from the Word of God. We're, uh, we're in a new series called Jump Into Faith. We picked this one as a good one, Jump Into Faith. I was thinking we could call we could have called it Gains. You know, because we're talking about building our faith muscle and bodybuilders, that's what they call when they're building muscle, they call it, they've got gains, and so we could have called it that. So how many want to have some gains this morning, want to build your faith muscle up? How many feel like you need to build your faith? Amen? Probably all of us in here today, because you know what? Your faith is made for your problems. Anybody got problems? Don't look around. You know, don't point at anybody. You know, we all have problems. We all got stuff that's going on. But, you know, our faith, that's what our faith is for. Just like the song Selena sang, this is how we fight our battles. Amen. And so with faith, we've been building our faith these last couple of weeks. If you haven't been here, we we just want to give you an opportunity and get caught up online and listen to it. And faith is something that we all have. Say, thank God for that, right? So if you came in here today thinking, man, I don't even have any faith. No, you've got some. You just need to build it right? And so we've learned these last few weeks that all of us, when you become a child of God, when you say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior, when you say that, the Bible says you've been gifted, you've been given a measure of faith. And so we need to all remind ourselves, you know what? I have faith. I've got some. And so we learned the last few weeks that just like little babies when they're born, do you know when you were born as a little baby that you have all the same muscles then that you have now? You, know, you don't get to go to the doctor. Wouldn't it be great if we could go to the doctor and say, can I have a few, a few more abs could I have a few more biceps, you know? No, because we already have them. Just some peoples are more developed than other peoples. Or some peoples are, are, are like I like to say, gently covered, gently covered by layers of Reese's cups and all that kind of good stuff, right? And so we all have those muscles, but we can look at some people, it's very evident when we look at them and say, wow, they've been in the gym Or they've been lifting weights. They've been working out because we can see the result. Well, just like we can see that naturally, many times in the Bible, God, when Jesus would give a parable, he would show us something natural to explain something supernatural because then we would be able to understand it. And so he says our body, you know, our faith, the faith muscle. And so let's look at it like this. Naturally, we can see when somebody works out and they get a good diet and they do all that, We see the result, right? Right? And then when somebody doesn't, we see that result too. (laughs) We see that result too. The same thing is true with our faith. If we'll get a good diet of of hearing the word and getting good teaching and reading the Bible, a good diet of that, and we work out our faith muscle, guess what? We're going to be able to see it. We're going to be able to see it in our life because when problems come, we're going to be like, you know what? I've got faith for this. You know what? I can use my faith for this because it's strong. And so we're building some strong faith. We said that this summer, you know, summer is a time where we kind of like, oh, it's summer. You know, let's, uh, let's take our foot off the gas. Let's relax. Let's barbecue. Let's do all that. And all that's great. Amen? If you're having a barbecue, invite me, right? Right? If you have a pool, please invite me. Anybody have a pool in here? I need to get friends with a pool. <laughs> I need friends with a boat and friends with a pool, right? And so, you know, that's great. But this summer also, let's let's say, you know what, when September comes along, let's say, you know what, I grew in my walk with God this summer. I grew in my walk with God. I got stronger this summer, amen? And so we're diving into faith. And so today, we're going to look at a portion of Scripture, and it's really two power-packed faith things that happen here with Jesus, and they teach us so much. And the title, if you're looking for a title today, it's Faith in in Spite of the Crowd. How many know that the crowd that surrounds you often has no faith? But you know what? You can have faith no matter what crowd you're in. You can have faith no matter who's surrounding you. You know why? Because just like the song, God surrounds me. Amen? And so we're going to look over in Mark chapter 5, verse number 34. Who's ready to learn something today? I'm just going to be teaching all summer long on faith. And so in Mark 5, 34, it says this. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And so when we look at this, and we're going to just kind of go through this whole story in the Bible, and we're just going to take some principles out, because that's what we're supposed to do with the Word of God. We're supposed to read it, and as we read the Word, it grows my faith, amen? And when I read it, I can pull the principles out and apply them to my life. If all we do is read the Word, listen, if you're like, man, I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to read through the whole thing this year, and you're just sitting there like, done, and that's it, you're not going to get much out of it. It'd be better for you to just read a little bit and read it over and over and over again and pull the principles out and ask yourself, how can I apply this to my life? That would be better than just racing through something and wanting to get a check mark off on your task list. Because that's not going to help you. We need to read the Word, and we need to apply it to our life. Because if we don't, it's not going to help us very much, right? And so today we're going to read through this story, and we're going to pull out some principles. And then we're going to, this week, how many going to see how can I apply this to my life? Are you guys awake today? Do you guys have Fourth of July hangover? What is going on here today? Amen. Listen, if anybody, we oh, by the way, Fourth of July was amazing. Who was at our Fourth of July event? Raise your hand up big. It was amazing. We had so many people come through. We just loved on people. And and whether you were painting faces, handing out glow sticks, saying hello, or, you know, picking up all the trash that kept piling up everywhere, you were helping. Amen. And you know what we did yesterday in prayer? We took every single name of the people who entered the contest to win a year's worth of pizza, which we want to thank Little Caesars for that, we took every name, and we spoke that name, and we prayed over every single person, amen, Amen. and you know what, I believe that our prayers avail much, and so we're going to keep doing that, we're not going to, we're not going to hassle those people, we're not going to, you know, send them one million letters or anything like that, because you know what's more important than we can do, pray for them. We may not know their face, but God knows it. And we're going to call their name out. And we're going to call their name and speak God's word over them. And I believe that we're going to see great, great things happen in those people's lives. Amen? Yeah. All right. All right. Back to my message here. So who's awake? Just yeah. me? Am I the only person awake in here? Yeah. Holy smokes. Help us, Jesus. <laughs> it's July. Listen, the beach. The beach. Can wait. You're already here. You know. I see people. They come to church in the summer. They got their suit on underneath. You know. Praise the Lord. Go for it. But while we're here, let's get what God has for us. Right. All right. Here we go. So says, the Bible says in Mark 5:34, "Daughter, your faith has made you well." Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And so we see this. We can see just from this one scripture how important faith is. A lot of times we're waiting for just something else to happen. And Jesus himself said, your faith, your faith, your faith, not your mama's faith. Not your pastor's faith, not Joel Osteen's faith, not Kenneth Hagin's faith, not Kenneth Copeland's faith, or whoever you think has a lot of faith. Not their faith. Jesus said your faith. And so you better check your faith. You better make sure that you're growing it because you're going to need it. Amen? Especially in the times we live in. And so in this story, what we're going to look at, we're going to see, we're going to get a two-for-one deal. How many love a two-for-one deal? We're going to get a two-for-one deal today. Two stories of faith that are really intertwined, and, pu- and, and it's one account, but they're inter- intertwined together, and we can see how both people reacted to the crowd that was around them. So it's got some really good lessons for, it, for us. And so in Mark 5.21... This is in Jesus talking. He says, now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. And so this is the Sea of Galilee for those people who like to know that kind of stuff. It's the Sea of Galilee and Jesus was coming back from a place called Decapolis and to the area that really it was historically... A lot of Jews were there. And so in this story, it's really incredible because it's going to focus on two moments in two different people's lives where they were very vulnerable, where they were very desperate, and they needed God to come through. Amen? They were vulnerable. They were desperate, and they were in life and death situations. And how many of us, you know, you may not be in that situation today, but if when you are, not if you are, when you are, you want to have your faith ready for it. Amen? And that's why these kind of lessons are so important. And so when Jesus reached the other side of the lake, we can see, through the scripture, when you read it out and all that kind of stuff, that when he gets to the other side, immediately all these people are right on him. They're just boom. And isn't that how it is a lot of times? The enemy will so often, like as soon as you walk through the door, as soon as you feel like you've come through one thing, boom, something else is right there. Anybody know how that? that's how it is? It's like you feel like, oh, I'm going to get a breather. No, nope, boom, something else has happened. And that's what's happened here. And so he gets through there, and over in uh, Mark 5, 22 and 23, it says, And behold, this is where we're starting to get into that story. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet (coughs) and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So let's just read that again. I just want you to kind of just let this soak in. Let the word soak in. It says, and behold, one of the rulers, somebody say rulers. One of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and we saw him. He fell at his feet. It's when he saw Jesus. He fell at his feet and begged him earnestly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. How many can see he's in a desperate situation? He's a, when your child, you know, how many parents we have in here, when your kid is sick, you would do anything to switch spots with them. I, every parent I've ever met, that's what they say. Because it's harder, for you, it's harder for you when your kid is sick than it is when you're sick. Isn't that the truth? Right? And so we're going to just dig into this story. We're going to look at the who and we're going to look at the what. First, let's look at the who. So Jairus, the Bible says he's a ruler of the synagogue. And that's a really important piece of information we're given about him because it tells us a lot about Jairus and what his position in society is. And so it also helps us explain why of all the people, here's all the people, and in the Jewish world, the rulers of the synagogue, how many have heard they weren't exactly pro-Jesus? Because Jesus threatened their position. He threatened what they taught. He threatened everything about what they did. And so Jesus is here. And for a ruler of the synagogue to come and throw himself at the feet of Jesus, just in itself, is a remarkable situation. Because usually, you guys know enough about the Bible to know that the rulers of the synagogue, they were out to get Jesus. They were out to prove that Jesus wasn't who he said he was. They were out to bring Jesus down. And here we have the ruler, one of the rulers of the synagogue. He was a bigwig. He was an important person. And he's coming through this crowd of people. And the Bible says he throws himself at the feet of Jesus and he begs him earnestly, come. Come. So that's the who. And then we get to the what. Jairus's daughter was dying. She was dying. It's a tragic, hopeless situation. The simple what gives us the first key to the principle of this, this story we want to see. And that the principle that we want to pull out of here, your natural position is never enough. Your natural position in life. How important you are, how much money you have, what titles you have, what degrees you have, how many letters you have behind your name, what people call you. It is never enough. He was a ruler of the synagogue, he was a bigwig. And we learned last week we had the centurion servant that had a hundred men under him. It wasn't enough. Jairus is a ruler of the synagogue. It's not enough. You know, when we look at that, it doesn't matter. You can be the most elite in society, but there will come a day when no matter how much money you have, no matter how many people answer to you, no matter how smart you are, you will need more than you can do. You'll need more than you can do. And so we see here that that's the first principle, but you know what? I need God. No matter how much money I have, no matter how important I am, I need God. And principle number two that we can grab out of this story. Remember, when we read the Bible, we want to let it soak in, and we want to pull the principles out so we can apply them to our life. And sometimes we can get to the point where we're, things are going well. Things are, you know, It seems to me I've been in ministry for a long time now. You know, I've been in full-time ministry for 25 years. And when, when I, I see that a lot of times when things start going well in somebody's life, you know, when things are going well, everything's going good. They got the job that they prayed for. Their marriage was healed that they prayed for. Their kids came back, which they prayed for all the things when they get what they prayed for, then they start like pushing Jesus to a little bit to the side. Don't wait till you need your faith to build your faith. Amen. It's a whole lot better to have it built. Amen. The Bible says we live a life of faith, not an experience of faith. You know, this is a, my, my relationship with God is just that, a relationship. Well, you know, and in, in when we look in, <clears throat> in Ephesians, it shows us the marriage relationship and how the marriage relationship is similar to the relationship we have with God. What kind of a marriage relationship would we have if we only talked to our spouse when we needed them? That'd be a pretty, pretty, pretty uh, unhealthy relationship. Or what kind of a marriage would we have if we only spent time with our spouse when we were in a hard time? Off partying, it's like, honey, I'll be home. We're out doing our own thing, out being, being ourselves. And then it's like, we run out of money, we get our heart broken, we get sickness in our body, and then we run back home and, like, oh, I'm so glad you're still here. Right? If somebody did that to their spouse, what, and it was your friend, what would you say? We'd be like, man, that's not right. That's not right. But you know what? We do that to God all the time. And then we wonder why, because here's what happens. When we do that, and I don't, I'm not trying to be harsh with you. I'm trying to help you. Because when we do that, here's what happens. We, we get into a situation where, man, we need God. We're like Jairus. We're like this woman, which we're going to talk about. She had an issue in her body. And we're like, man, I need God. I, I'm so desperate. Pastor, you know, you know this, this happened. Pastor, this happened. And, man, you're, you're, I see your face every Sunday because you're in a crisis. And you're like, oh, give me a book to read. Give me this to read. Because you're, you're desperate, right? And so what happens, God will meet you there because his mercy always gives you what you need. And God will meet you right there. And you begin to build your faith. And you begin to speak the word. And situations begin to change in your life because that's what happens. Amen. That's what happens. Faith works. But then you get what you need. I say we get what we need. We get through something and we're like, whew. And then what? it's like, oh, you know, I just don't, I'm, I'm not feeling it this morning. I just don't, I don't, you know, I don't feel like going to church today. I'm just going to, pa- Pastor, I'm just going to take the day off. You do that once, you do that twice, you do that three times, you just hit a habit. And then what happens? We'd step away. So we were building, 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 we're getting strong. We're in the, we're in the faith gym every week, we're reading the word, we're getting strong. And then we're sitting on the couch, binging on other stuff. Hello. What happened to our muscles? They get weaker. They get weaker. And so then, what's going to happen? We're, you're going to come running back because the enemy doesn't take a vacation. Life does not take a vacation. The fact that we live in a fallen world, that doesn't change. And so then, where something happens and we're like, "Ooh, where's that face at? I need that again. And what happens? i got to start building again. And then you wonder why five, ten years go by and you never get past a certain point. It's because you build, you just step out. Crisis comes, build again, build in muscles because faith works. And then you're doing good and you step out. And then and you're like, man, I just, I just feel like I'm in the same place all the time. It's because you keep doing the same thing all the time. That's deep. That's deep. But that's true. It's a cycle. This is our year of breakthrough. Let's grow past that. And you know, here's the thing. The stronger you are, the easier the battles are. Amen? You know, if, we were, if, we were, if we've got a little three- or four-year-old, we're like, hey, you know, you need to fight this battle. How many know that a, that a mature, grown person is going to be able to do it, do it better? Well, the same thing is true spiritually. When you grow and you mature spiritually, you don't no longer fight like a child. You no longer have the reflexes of a child. You no longer have, have all the stuff that a baby has. And the same thing is true spiritually. There's some things that, man, 10 years ago would have wiped me out, and now I'm just like, because I'm stronger. I'm stronger. How, how did we get that way? We broke the cycle, and we, we decided to grow the whole time, and not just in times of crisis. Somebody say amen to that, please. Amen. amen. Let's make a decision. I'm going to grow all the time, not just at a time of crisis. Because if you grow all the time, when that crisis comes, you're going to be able to handle it a whole lot better. You're going to be able to walk through storms a whole lot stronger, a whole lot quicker. And listen to me, you'll recover faster. Amen. You'll recover faster. Things that used to take you out, now you're like, I'm good. Praise the Lord, I'm strong, my faith is, is grown, I'm, I'm a lot better now, I'm grown up. Like Paul says in Timothy, not Timothy, he says in 1 Corinthians, he says, don't be a baby, don't be a baby, he goes, you guys are babies, he goes, you are, you are mere, you are, you are just like everybody else, you're just born again. You got born again, but everything else about you is the same. You're carnal. That's what carnal means. It means you're unchanged. Listen, God, if your life with Jesus isn't changing you, something's wrong. Something, something's amiss. We want to change. We want to grow so we can be more like Jesus, so we can handle things the way Jesus has designed us to handle it, and that's with our faith. Amen? And so we see here that, you know what, it doesn't matter what's going on or who you are, or how you are, or how much money you have, you're, you need God. And then the second, thing we know, and the second thing we're going to learn here from this principle, and this is so powerful, faith is always born from times of humility. Faith is always born from time, times of humility. And this echoes what we heard it last week about the centurion servant in Matthew 8 When we see this, it says, and when Jairus saw Jesus, now he's a ruler of the synagogue. He's a ruler. It says, but when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. One thing about faith, you got to fall at Jesus' feet. Amen? You got to, you got to, you got to, and you know, you say, well, what does that mean? That means you got to put yourself lower than Jesus. You got to fall at his feet and you got to recognize he's God and you're not. Amen? Amen? You're God and I'm not. You know more about everything than I do. How many times have we talked ourselves out of faith? We've talked ourselves out of doing what God's told us to do. We've talked ourselves out of what the Word of God has said. Because somewhere along the line, we put ourselves up over Jesus. Now, we don't say that, but we do that all the time. We don't say that kind of stuff. But listen, our actions are speaking a whole lot louder than our words. And so the thing we see here is he fell at Jesus' feet. And here's a really important principle to learn. We are all created to be at the feet of Jesus. Amen. Every one of us is created to be at the feet of Jesus. That's where we belong is at his feet. And what does that mean? What does it mean that I've got to just lay around somewhere? No, that's not what that means. It means that I've got to recognize and I've got to <coughs> live the life that God is God Almighty. I've got to put myself, my knowledge, my wisdom, my understanding. I've got to walk in, not just talk, but walk it out that his ways are truly higher than mine. That he's the creator of the universe. That I want to submit myself to him. And that's that's what putting my feet, worshiping him, and looking to him as my help. Amen. A lot of times we go to the feet of Jesus, but then we're up again doing it on our own. No, we're designed to be at the feet of Jesus. It's a natural position for us to be in. There's something about coming to the feet of Jesus that's a game changer. It's that point of humility. It's that point of humility where we recognize, God, I need you. God, you are my father. You are the king of kings. That's why worship is so important. Because the more you worship Jesus, the less you'll depend on yourself. Amen? Amen? The more you worship God, the less you'll depend on you. The less you'll revert to your own knowledge. The less you'll revert to your own understanding. The Bible says lean not on your own understanding. That doesn't mean you don't have common sense. Somebody say amen. 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 It says lean not. We, We learned a few weeks ago that word lean, it means don't put all your weight on it. Let's not live like Christians that don't have a God who loves them. You know how we do that? It's by we do our own thing. And, and listen, I don't have to explain this because we all do it. We go through the day after day where God has no place in our life. But we love God. We do love God. But we get busy. We get prideful. We get up from the feet of Jesus. We're designed to recognize God every day. Every day, in everything we do, it's having, it's, it's, it's having a, f- a heart of humility. Being humble doesn't mean that you think less of yourself. It means that you think more about who God is. Amen? Some people misunderstand humility. They think that you need to walk around saying, oh, I'm just, I'm nobody. I'm just, you know. You know, I'm nobody, and you guys are all better than me, and I have nothing to add, and no ability, no gift, you know. You guys just take care of everything because I'm humble. That's not what humble means. That's not God. You know, the Bible says that Moses was, was humble, and he was a leader. Humble just means I recognize my place, and my place is at the feet of Jesus. Amen? my place, I can recognize my gifts, my talent, my ability, I can be bold, I can be confident, but I, can, I need to stay at the feet of Jesus and recognize that he is the king of kings. He is Lord of lords. And so when looking here in this, in this, in this story, we're looking and we're seeing, hey, who I am isn't going to make a big, big difference. My title, all that, I'm still going to need God. And great faith has grown. At the feet of Jesus. It's that heart of humility. And it's something we can never lose in our journey of faith. You can never lose that. Amen. And then the third thing we're going to look at here. Remember Jairus. He's coming. He's busting through the crowd. He's a ruler of the synagogue. He throws himself at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because he's in a desperate situation. He needs God to show up. And that's the other thing. Faith will always go from private to public. Amen. You can't you can't keep your faith hidden. Because how many know you're gonna need it when you're in a crowd one day? You're gonna need it. You're gonna need it. Cause we don't how many know you don't live in your prayer closet? Hey man, you don't stay, I mean you're like prayer, I don't even have a prayer closet. You know, you don't you don't live wherever your wherever your place with God is, whether it's sitting at the beach, whether it's sitting on your swing in your yard, whether it's in your car, where you don't stay there all the time. And so we see that you're it's in the story, your faith is always gonna go from private to public, and you got to be ready for that. I heard um, somebody say this. They said, you tell me how public you want to go, and I'll tell you how great your need is. You tell me how public you want to go, and I'll tell you how great your need is. You tell me how private you want to stay, and I'll tell you how small your need is. See, Jairus, he wasn't the first ruler to come to Jesus at a critical point in their life. He wasn't the first one. In John chapter 3, there's another religious leader. His name is Nicodemus. But unlike Jairus, who didn't hesitate to approach Jesus and fall at his feet in the middle of the day among a big crowd, Jairus didn't hesitate. Nicodemus came at night when no one else was around. (coughs) And he wanted an unseen, unknown relationship with Jesus. He wanted everything to stay secret. Now, thank God that Jesus will always meet us wherever we are. Amen? God will always meet you. Jesus took the time to meet with Nicodemus. Even though it was night, he was right there. And even though Nicodemus had a very private faith, Jesus was right there. But on the other hand, Jairus was at the point of desperation, and he threw aside his pride. He threw aside what other people were going to think. He threw aside all of that and he ran and he threw himself at the feet of Jesus. And the whole town is going to know it. The whole town is going to know what Jairus did. He's going to be the talk of the town after this is over. And we've got to ask ourselves am I ready for my family to see my faith? Am I ready for coworkers to know I'm a person of faith? Am I ready? Am I ready? Because the, the more you want to keep your faith hidden, it's not, it's not going to get as strong as you need it to be. Jairus came to Jesus, and we said, when he saw him, when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly. My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed and live. This behavior was not what a ruler of the synagogue did. For one thing, they were very filled with the pomp and the circumstance of things. They had to wear their clothes a certain way. They had to walk a certain amount of steps every day. They were, they were uh, untouchable, it seemed, by normal people. They were so, they were, they were like, the closest thing that we would see is like the, ro- the royal family. How many know it would be bizarre for the queen, the queen of England to run out and throw herself at the feet of someone else? If that happened, wouldn't it be on every news station? Wouldn't it be on every tabloid? Wouldn't everybody be talking about it? Right? If the Queen of England ran out and threw herself at the feet of somebody, it would be all over. We'd be like, what is going on? That's exactly what this is like. But Jairus didn't hesitate. It wasn't the, the appropriate cultural response. When a ruler of the synagogue was faced with the problem, yet the Bible says that Jairus begged. He begged. we got to get to the point where we're going to say, you know what? I'm going to go after Jesus no matter what. Amen. Because the next thing we learn from the story is God will change your culture. God will change your culture. You know, some of us, we, we, how you grew up, your culture is just how you do stuff. Right? I remember there was a story of, uh, and it was, um, we read the story. I've told it a few times. But in this family, every year they would make this roast. And through traditions, the recipe was handed down year after year, and and the people did it. And in the recipe, they would cut the ends off of the roast. And it was, you know, that's how they did it. And family member after family member, and it was delicious, and everybody loved it. And then one day, one of the the kids said to the great-great-grandmother or whoever, like, well, why do you cut the ends off? They've been doing it for years. This is how they did it. And they said, well, why do, why do we cut the ends off of this roast? And she said, oh, because one year it was just too big for the pan. It was just too big for the pan. And so every people just been copying this, this, this behavior year after year after year. Why? Because it's just how they did it. And that's one of the best descriptions of culture. It's just, it's the unspoken rules. How many got unspoken rules in your family? It's just how you do it. It's just how you do it. And then when somebody comes in, they're like, why do you do that? It's how it's done. Right? It's how it's done. And, you know, that's how culture is. There's, there's certain you know, right now in our country, we're having cultural wars. Because some people are like, no, this is how you do it. And other people are like, no, this is how you do it. Well, we got to ask ourselves, is it just because the pan was too small? How important of an issue is that? Right? And so culture, and so some of us, you know, we grew up where if you had an issue, you kept it to yourself. Right? You kept it to yourself. That's the way it was. And other people grew up in a different culture. How many know, like in my family, nobody ever yells. Nobody, you only yell, you just, you know, you yell if you're joking around, you yell for somebody to come inside, but like just in general conversation, there's no yelling. Nobody else. I don't remember the last time anybody yelled in my family. That's just the truth. Other people, other families, their culture is everybody yells. Everybody yells all the time. And you're like, why is everybody so angry? No, that we're, that's how we talk. It's how we communicate. What's wrong with you? That's how it's done, you know? I mean, I remember being at some people's houses, just be like, oh my. You know, or Shekinah Glory. That's a great example. The first time I ever saw Shekinah Glory, how many know who that is? It's the three, the husband and wife and Cindy. First time I ever saw them, they were bickering back and forth. and they were, And I'm just like. There is so much strife in this group. What is wrong with these guys? My goodness. Oh, my goodness. I mean, they just were so outside of how I operate. And I had a really hard time even listening to anything they said because I couldn't get over the fact that it seemed like they were angry with each other and they were fighting in front of all of us. You know? Well, that's like, you don't do that. And so then I realized no, that's just how they are, that's their culture. And so some of us who grew up and we're like, you keep everything private. You don't tell anybody your problems. You never raise your voice. And then others are like, everybody in the whole family knows everything that's going on with everybody. There are no secrets. Everybody knows everything. Right? So we're like, Pastor Reggie, stop talking about my family. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, the thing about it is, is that a lot of times we can't be controlled by our culture Because sometimes, if you're that private person and you never want to step out and you never want to get out of your comfort zone because that's how you were raised, and you know, my family's a little bit like that, you know, there's a time when you got to throw yourself at the feet of Jesus. There's a time when you got to throw yourself into worship. There's a time where you got to raise your voice and you got to sing a hallelujah. Amen. There's a time because Jairus got out of his culture. He got out of what was appropriate culturally, and he did something completely different. And for the sake of time, the end of the story is his daughter got healed. And a lot of times what we're waiting for, what we're, we're saying, man, I, you know, I need God. I need God. Well, let's pull the principles out of this story and let's ask ourselves, man, is, is it, are you a person of worship? Are you a person of passion towards the things of God? Are you letting how you're raised determine how, well, how you're going to react with God? Amen? Because there's a lot. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm a pretty, it doesn't seem like it now because I'm up in front of you, but like, Just myself, I'm like a pretty reserved person. You know, like I remember when I was a kid, I wanted to get born again so bad, but the thought of raising my hand and walking in front of everybody just was terrifying to me. Terrifying to me. But you know what? I'll never forget the day when I was at the Baptist church And Pastor Roger Murphy was given an altar call, and I had sat through that altar call Sunday after Sunday after Sunday with my heart pounding and thinking, oh, I can't get in front of these people. I'll just die. I can't get in front of these people. But there came a day where I stepped up out of my culture, out of my personality, out of myself. I stepped up, and I walked. it was a church very similar to this, and walked down the aisle. And thank God my dad was there. I grabbed his hand, and he walked down with me. I'll never forget that day. It changed my life forever. But I had to get out of myself. I had to get out of what I thought. I had to throw myself at the feet of Jesus. Amen? And we learned that from Jairus. Man, especially in worship. You, you, you can't, you, life is too hard to sit and say, oh, I can't do this. This is how we fight our battles. Amen? You're missing a piece because of culture, because of how you're raised and how, whatever. Faith will take you out of that. Amen? Faith will cause you to talk different than how you were raised. Faith will cause you to act different than how you were raised. But thank God, you know, whenever I start to go back to that, I say, but you know what? Ephesians tells me I've been raised up together with Christ Jesus, My parents raised me, but now I've been raised up with Jesus. Amen? And so let's not let our culture, let's not get, like, how we've always done things. You know, sometimes people, when it comes to worship, they're like, oh, that's a new song. I don't like that song. That's not how we've always done things. Listen, sometimes your answer is on the other side of how you've always done things. Amen? Sometimes your answer is right on the other side of how you've always done things we got to get out. Jairus never did this before, but you know what? It was right outside of it. People are always talking about how bad their problem is, but instead of talking about how bad your problem is, let's ask ourselves, how far am I willing to go? How far am I willing to go to get it fixed? How, how bound to culture am I going to be? In Jairus's case, the problem was bad enough that he was absolutely willing to defy his personal culture. When Jairus speaks to Jesus, he says, Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. He isn't whispering this. He's in a crowd of people. He's not whispering it because he, threw his, he went down at the feet of Jesus. And if you're at somebody's feet and they're standing up, you've got to yell for them to hear you. He's yelling because he's desperate. And you know what? It worked. It worked. I'll tell you some of the biggest breakthroughs I've ever had in my life is when I've stepped outside of what was comfortable. Amen? In a moment of great need, private faith isn't going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. Considering the influence that Jairus had on this town, and for him to do that was an amazing thing. The people around him knew him. They knew his status. And yet here's Jairus in the middle of the street on his knees. Why? It's humility. Humility. Don't let pride keep you from what God has for you. Faith eventually is, has to come from that humble heart. That humble heart says that it's God is who I need. And the, the last thing, we'll, we're going to finish this, not next week, but the week after. God responds to faith. If you hear anything I say today, hear that. God responds to faith. He does not respond to tears. He does not respond to need. He responds to faith. You say, well, why is that? That's how, that's how it is. That's how it is. Because you know what? In verse number 24, Mark 5, 24, so Jesus went with him. Do you think there's an entire crowd of people there? You don't think anybody else had a need? So Jesus went with him. We say, why does does some things happen to some people and not to other people? God responds to faith. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. The Bible says in Hebrews, For he who comes to him must believe, who knows this, that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God responds to faith. That's what God responds to. And so when we're saying, well, I'm so. I need this. I need this so bad. God responds to faith. The Bible says, "You have not because you ask not." Amen. We we gotta do. We gotta do our part. Hebrews 11, 6, But without faith, you want to know where that's at. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe. What does that sound like? It sounds like faith. That he is. He is what? He is everything you need. He is the answer to every question. He is the healer of every wound. He is the provider of every need. He is. Amen? Just, just like when he said, Tell him, I am. Same thing. He is. Not he's going to be, he wants to be, he might be, he was. No, he is. He is. It says, God must believe that he is. And. See, a lot of people believe that he is. But they miss this conjunction. And I always sing the conjunction junction song. How many know the, that one? Conjunction junkin. What does it do? It hooks up. Conjunction junction. What's your function, right? This and, it's hooking it up. It's saying, he is. Somebody say, And. Is that, if we were to go around the room, but man, do you think? Do you believe God is Almighty? Yeah. Oh yeah, God is big, God's amazing, God, God is Almighty. Yes, yes. Do you believe He's a rewarder to you? Mmm. I don't know. Wait a minute. Mmm. He might be. No. It's two parts. We must believe that He is. Say the next word with me. And He is a rewarder. What was Jairus' reward? He went with him. He went with him. It says, he says, and that he is rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If we don't have faith, we don't please God. If we do have faith, he rewards us. God responds to faith. Amen. And then the, the next thing, people are going to get in your way. What are we doing? We're pulling out the principles of script, these scriptures. People are going to get in the going to get in the way because Mark five twenty four says a great multitude followed him and thronged him. That word throng. The the, the if you want to get a picture of it, how many how many have ever seen like you know? Uh, actually, I was watching a documentary about the Jonas Brothers, and you know what? <laughs> there was obviously nothing else on television. But I was fascinated because the Jonas Brothers, they grew up in the church. Their dad was a pastor. he was, They were spirit-filled. So I was very fascinated by it. And, and they've really, you know, anyway. But anyway, I was watching the show. And the thing is, when they were young and they first started, they would be in these crowds of people. I mean, just thousands and thousands of girls, young girls, just throwing themselves, trying to get to them. We've seen celebrities when they're caught in a crowd like that. Well, that's exactly what's happening with Jesus. Whenever it says there's a multitude, that's a minimum of a thousand people. These are small villages. They they don't have police. They don't have that kind of stuff. And so all these people are coming for Jesus, and they're trying to stop him. They have needs too. But Jesus is on his way to Jairus's. Jesus is there. And so you know what? There's always going to be people that are pushing and shoving, maybe not physically, but they're going to try to push and shove you off your faith. Isn't that the truth? They're going to try to talk you out of it. They're going to try to tell you that it's not going to happen. They're going to try to tell you this or tell you that or how's that going to happen, whatever. But people are always going to get in the way. And some of them, they they just don't know. And others are just doom and gloomers. And, you know, regardless, we got to recognize there's always going to be people that are going to stop your faith. But what did Jairus do? He just kept going. He kept going. Just kept going. But in this crowd of people, there's another person. There's another person. And it's we've heard the story before. It's the woman with the issue of blood. And she pushes through that crowd. Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house. His daughter is dying. But then somebody touched him. And Jesus said he, he felt the power go out of him. He felt the pull of faith. God responds to faith. There were thousands of people around there. What was so special about this one woman? She had faith. What's so special about you? You have faith. So we see that God responded. Jesus responded, Jairus. And then we're going to learn that Jesus responds to the woman with the issue of blood because when she touched him, All these people were touching him. But when she touched him, he felt power go out of him. And he said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples said, you're being thronged by all these people, and you want to know who touched your clothes? But Jesus knew it was this woman with the issue of blood, and he felt the power go out. And that's who he's talking to when he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith. We see two great examples of faith in this story. We see the woman who comes through. Man, you got to push through the crowd. You can't let people determine what you're going to believe. Amen? You cannot let people determine what you're going to believe. She pushed through because she believed that if she could just touch the hem of his garment, she would be made well. And we have Jairus, who threw everything. He threw caution to the wind, didn't care about his position, didn't care who he was, and he ran and he threw himself at the feet of Jesus. We've got to ask ourselves, am I willing to do what they did? Am I willing to get outside of my comfort zone and get on the feet of Jesus for the situations and the plan of God for my life? Or am I just going to sit back and watch everybody else do it? we got to ask ourselves that. Amen? But one thing is for sure in the story is that I need faith, and so do you. God responds to faith. You crying on the floor at night, God doesn't respond to that. You telling everybody your problems, God doesn't respond to that. God responds to faith. You say, well, what is faith? The simplest definition of faith that I know is believing that he is. That he is who he says he is. And he will do what he said he would do. That's it. That's faith. Believing that he is and believing he will do what he said he would do. Not just saying, oh, yeah, I believe that, but expecting it. Faith is a confident expectation that the Word of God is going to come to pass in my life. Amen? That is faith. Let's pray together.